wrong. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think the difference is, is that you're reading it through the Red Book. The Red yeah, Book is totally. is the beginning and not the end. Whereas it, for, for your parents, and then I guess I was on the cusp of this, it, it was like you, you know, I started off with the basic stuff, you know, the the um, symbols of the collective unconscious or archetypes of the collective unconscious or right. uh, man in search of a soul or answer to job, you know, like the, the the kind of basic introduction young stuff. And then so then when you get this, this, uh, the, the, the final revelation, the, the Lotus Sutra of Jungianism, <laughs> the, the hidden, the hidden document at the end. And it's a purely apocalyptic doctrine in our book mm -hmm. in the in the proper sense of the words. The apocalypse means revelation, means a lifting of the veil, right? So right. the veil gets lifted and we find out that, you know, behind Young the scientist the whole time was Young the mystic. And it's not that he was completely dishonest about this. I, I think it's that he tried to keep the two separate as much as possible so that he wouldn't turn into Rudolf Steiner or... Um, uh, L. Ron Hubbard or any of these sort of uh, modern day prophet figures who, you know, claim to have a, a fully functioning metaphysics that you're supposed to get behind, you know, or whatever. That yes. He doesn't want to do that. And the other thing is people always talk about Jung in relationship to Freud. And I think the other thing is when you see, when you read the Red Book, you see starkly the relationship between Jung and Nietzsche. Um, mm. there's even, there's even a little note in the red book that he wrote to himself where he's like, you're just trying to be Nietzsche. You're trying to be edgy with Nietzsche <laughs> yeah. and, and you're not doing it as well. Right. So even privately, he was like, he was like, I'm trying to do this overman stuff, but I'm also trying to be an objective scientist at the same time. Right. No, well, totally. And I mean, I think in, um, uh, I know that we were kind of in question as to whether this was going to be brought up, but like in Catafalque. There's definitely a lot of talk about uh, his relationship to the prophet archetype and whether that was something that he was going to allow himself to get kind of drawn into. And you're you're totally right that he does seem to have this sort of insecurity around what he was doing with the Red Book. And, and you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, why did he keep that secret, blah, blah, blah. But it does seem that he was deeply embarrassed by it. And that is something that has always kind of intrigued me because it's not I mean I don't know to my mind it's not actually something to be deeply embarrassed about um going back a little bit you were talking about kind of the difference between millennial gen z and boomer uh unions with regard to the to the red book and I actually very distinctly remember being you know whatever age I was when it came out I think it was was it published in 2009 I want to say could be wrong. It was 2006 that. when it was made public. And then I think, yeah, the actual editions of it started to come out in 2008, 2009, something like that. I, yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was in high school. So, okay. So I remember when that came out, my mom had always been talking to me. She would like tell me these kind of tales about the Red Book and about like there was a knowledge that he had kind of locked himself away and gone into this thing that was sort of almost like the fun Jungian question was whether Jung himself actually went insane or if he didn't go insane it's very like Hamlet like kind of uh surface level questioning you know around the red book but eventually it did become available and I remember being like a kid and telling my dad oh we have to get my mom the red book we have to get it and I like I had this whole mythology sort of built up around it uh, around this dude whose works I had never read because I was a child but who I kind of knew as this figure and this presence in our life. Um, and that I just knew that my mom had to have this work. And I remember I got it for her. I don't think she actually read it, which is so fascinating to me because um, looking back, I was trying to remember like, what was the first thing that I read by Jung? 
and it was the red book that is like where my journey with him began i you know and and perhaps uh, arrogantly right like <laughs> i did not know what i was reading when i read it um nor do i still know what i'm reading half the time when i read it but um that 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 was kind of my starting place with him and that was sort of the place from which i began to approach the rest of what he wrote and so sort of that metaphysical background, but certainly the idea of taking the um, inner subjective experience seriously as its own reality that is equal to that of the material reality all around us um, was just embedded in my understanding of him from the get-go, if that makes any sense at all. But No, you are the archetypal Zoomer Jungian. Like, you know, <laughs> he was just like, like, I have this idea the Zoomer Jungian is the is the the younger Jungian who starts with the Red Book. The Red Book is the beginning for them. Um, and you've just exactly described that. So you've described to a T what my idea of a Zoomer Jungian <laughs> is. You started, yeah. you started with the Red Book. And so everything you read is through the Red Book instead of the other way around. It wasn't something exactly. that pops up at the end for you. So it, it's it's your genesis instead of your revelations. And you're saying, well, you're reading it as a child doesn't understand it. And that's the only way you can read it. I'll never get to read it that way. 